Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Earlier today, we recorded a show about the crackdown on Jehovah Witnesses in Russia and how they have been officially designated as an extremist organization, their bank account seized, their property seized, etc., and prevented from meeting together for worship. Well, they certainly are not an extremist organization. They're dubbed so because they believe that they have the truth exclusively, as many people of many different religions believe about their own faith. But we're going to turn our attention now to Canada, where there's a very interesting lawsuit pending against the Jehovah Witnesses. Our guest for this discussion, my good friend Barry Bussey, Director of Legal Affairs at the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, Barry. It's great to be here, Alan, and uh, it's such uh, an interesting time when we look at uh, Jehovah's Witnesses' faith community and what they're facing. It is. And uh, so tell us about the what we're calling the Wall case, Randy Wall case, against a, a Jehovah Witness congregation there in Canada. Yeah, well, this uh, case starts out in um, Alberta, and what had happened was is that Mr. Wall had admitted to being drunk on a couple of occasions, and the local congregation was not pleased with that. And in particular, he was upset, he said, to the congregation because his 15-year-old daughter was disfellowshipped for other matters from the local congregation, and the Jehovah's Witnesses practice shunning. So they required both mom and dad of this 15-year-old to shun their daughter, and they refused to do so. So it's a very complex set of facts. In fact, that uh, one almost is uh, sympathetic of sorts uh, towards Mr. Wall. Uh, How are you supposed to shun a high school student? You know, you still have to feed them and clothe them and, you know, nurture them. They're your daughter. Um, Yeah, exactly. And it put the family in a lot of stress And so he claims that part of his drinking was due to that. I could imagine that would drive a man to drink. (laughs) Uh, Our own religion, we practice abstinence, just for the record, and, you know, I'm good with that. But anyway, go on. So what happened to Mr. Wall? So what happens is, is that he's disfellowshipped because of his drinking, and then he appeals his case to the church's internal appeal committee, but that was rejected, and he further appealed to the Watchtower and Bible Tract Society of Canada, and that was rejected. And so then he took the church to court, and basically he made two arguments. First, he claimed that he was denied natural justice, and of course, uh, in the legal world, it, you know, and make sure that you have a fair hearing, you know why you're appearing before the committee and so forth, those principal rules of justice. And his second point was that he wanted to have compensation for his economic loss, because what had happened was he was a real estate agent, and as a result of him being shunned from the church, half of his clientele were Jehovah's Witnesses, and half of his clientele now refused to do business with them. And so as a result, he lost financially from being dismissed out of the congregation. Now, during the first hearing of the matter, 
the church argued that the court had no jurisdiction to be interfering with internal affairs of the church. And uh, the court ruled that, no, um, it does have jurisdiction. So then it got appealed and it got appealed to the Alberta Court of Appeal. And um, uh, the court there ruled two to one, stating that indeed the courts do have jurisdiction to hear this case and to hear the case concerning the issue of financial compensation. Wow. Now, that's where we got involved, or at least uh, now that it's appealed to the Supreme Court of Canada, and the court has now agreed to hear the case, and the case is going to be heard on uh, November uh, November 2. Um, but what's happening now is, and I should point out that there were three members on the Alberta Court of Appeal, three judges, and two ruled in favor of the court having jurisdiction, one ruled against. And what's very important, I think, uh, as we look at Justice Wakeling's dissent, uh, which to me is a far more compelling case, where he he basically, you know, said, look, the court violates the principle of separation of church and state because the church will lose its autonomy to determine who can and cannot be a member. To suggest that the court, by awarding damages, is, you know, alleviating the sense of alienation, harm to dignity or financial loss, these kinds of things are issues that the court really has no part to play in. What's also um uh, problematic here in this is that when you when you consider exactly uh, what will um, how can I say where are the boundaries for the courts uh, once it gets involved in these kind of internal matters um, Justice Wakeling noted that Mr. Wall has no right long to the congregation nor does his freedom of association compel his church to associate with him um, and and of course when you think about it. Uh, this is quite a change of tact for the court to to say, well, okay, we will recognize the church to this fellowship someone, but it may cost you, you know, or at least we would be willing, given the right facts, to rule against you if uh, if the court so feels. So, you know, so the danger, the danger here, Barry, of course. We lawyers, as you know, you're one of us, we have the saying that bad facts make bad law. Exactly. Well, you know, my sympathies, as you tell this story, my sympathies are with the plaintiff, are with, you know, Randy Wall. You know, I don't like the way the church has treated him, and I certainly hope that my church uh, would do better in how it treats people. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, the principle that... Um, you know, that, that you're filing on behalf of is a principle of autonomy for uh, churches to, you know, uh, establish the, the standards for their own relationships with their own members free of, of judicial interference. Now, that's a very important principle. I would point out to our listeners that it is not absolute. And one of the chinks in the armor here in United States law has been defamation. So, you know, if um uh you know, if the church started publicly bad mouthing Randy Wall in ways, you know, that was defamatory, even under American law, that would be actionable. Mm. Now and also too here in Canada, if um if the church did not provide him 
proper procedures of natural justice. Courts have historically in this country said to the churches, look, you need to allow him to or her to appear before uh, independent tribunal, understand what it is that they need to meet and that kind of thing. And, and, and most of those cases have not been involved in like church membership as much as has been involved in financial dealings. Like, for example, in the Hutterite community, uh, there was a, um, an individual who had invented a uh, agricultural tool to use on the farm. And he claimed to have copyright in it, uh, you know, a proprietary interest in it. But as a community, they share everything together and they even eat together and so forth. And the court ruled in favor of the church in that case, because, um, you know, when you're a member of that community, um, it belongs to everyone. So you can't, you know, but nevertheless, the court uh, reviewed that case and so took jurisdiction. In this case, we're dealing with, you know, actual membership and uh, the financial fallout when your membership is revoked. And, and one of the things that, that bothers me as I have looked at this case is that, you know, um, the problem is, is that um, a disgruntled member could hold the religious community at ransom should the court say, well, we are going to be looking into this to see what kind of financial compensation we'll give. And so, therefore, uh, a member would say, look, give me what I want or else I'm going to sue you for my losses and the breakdown of our relationship. Well, we know. I mean, let's face it. Um, there's many times in our relationships uh, that will break down personally, and uh, there may be a financial cost. Uh, for example, I think of situations where there's, um, you know, a marriage or whatever, and it goes through a divorce. Um, each party of the divorce cannot say to the family of the other side, hey, listen, I still want to be friends with you, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and if you're not friends with me, why then we're going to miss out on some kind of business arrangement or something we were talking about. And, and so, you know, there's certain areas that the law should not be involved with. And one is dealing with personal relationships and also being with relationships with religious communities. Very interesting. I, I certainly agree. Uh, so this case now is pending before the Canadian Supreme Court. That's right. It's up in Ottawa, and uh, we're among a number of others, religious communities, who have intervened in the case. And uh, basically, uh, you know, we're, we're calling on the court to ensure that it recognizes um, the rights of religious communities to be able to um, uh, decide these matters of their own volition without having the fear of having it being challenged in court. See, where I could see this going, and, uh, you know, forgive me for taking this sort of twist here, but I could see if, if the courts decided differently than what we think they should, mm -hmm. if they didn't uphold the rights of the church, um, it's like, where does it stop? So supposing someone's disfellowshipped on moral grounds, and, you know, maybe nobody would care if they were disfellowshipped for heterosexual adultery, but, uh, you know, in our country, and I think yours as well, if someone were disfellowshipped because they're in a gay relationship, you know, that would be a very sympathetic issue for a court to intervene in and, uh, and award damages for harm caused. What, if, you know, in your case, you've got actual, presumably quantifiable loss of business, 
But, um, you know, the kind of cases, the discrimination cases that I deal with, a major component of harm is emotional distress. That's right. So that would be, you know, anyone who's disfellowshipped can claim emotional distress, and there's no way to quantify that. So it could be, you know, uh, $5, it could be $5 million or anything in between. Exactly. No, absolutely. And and we know that in the law over the years, um, let's face it, uh, you know, law has a means of creeping in on our private lives. And you think of all of the various torts, that's the actions that, um, you know, when there's harm caused by another. Injury cases. Yeah. And, and these kinds of things do tend to expand. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if the camel gets its nose under the tent, um, it won't be long before the entire camel is inside. And that's the that's the, the big worry here. And, and that has a tremendous negative effect on religious freedom. I mean, individuals ought to be free to choose how they will associate. Obviously, I mean, it's not like it's without limit, uh, you know, uh, but the reality is, is that uh, if we are going to be interfering into how churches are going to relate to one another and deal with issues of belief and so on, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, some beliefs are more popular than others. No question. At any given moment in a society. You know, as we're closing, Barry, though, if there's a takeaway here for our listeners, in part, I would ask us, you know, first of all, here in the United States, church discipline is probably not imposed often enough. But when it is imposed, take care for the privacy interests and the reputational interests of those who are being disciplined. And be careful in the way that you treat them, you know, with kindness and courtesy, even as you're administering church discipline. So our case that we've been talking about with Barry Bussey, Director of Legal Affairs for the Canadian Council of Christian Charities, case of Randy Wall in the Canadian Supreme Court. Barry, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Well, great to be with you, Al. This is your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. 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 Freedom